We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, Nets fans, and welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me again, my guy, Jack Manuel. How you doing, Jack? How are you feeling right now? I know it's been a stressful week. Look, Nick, it's we're, I was expecting a lot more than a loss to the Suns and the Lakers going into the weekend. Um, let's just say I'm, I've, been in, uh, I've been in better spirits. Let's put it that way. Yeah, quick shout out to Jack, though. Tomorrow is his birthday, so happy birthday, Jack. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you very much to all the fans listening. And Jack, any big plans for tomorrow? Uh, the girlfriend actually has a surprise day for me. I'm all about surprise. Uh, nice. Surprise. I, I like surprises um, as long as, like, you know, I'm not taking her to some weird <laughs> haunted house because she's a big Halloween fan. So I don't want her to like, like, freak me out and take me to like this some weird like out in the middle of nowhere, some like abandoned, insane asylum. So. Hopefully she takes me somewhere where there's like, you know, sports or, you know, burgers and stuff that I like. I'm sure she will. She's a, she's a keeper. All the good stuff. Hopefully a positive surprise for Jack, who is a great writer, great podcaster, and a great person. So happy to have Jack part of the OTG team. Also check out his podcast, JBT Pod. But before we get started talking about the Nets, as always, you can listen to the Brooklyn Buzz podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com. Make sure you subscribe, review, let us know what you think. But let's talk about this harsh week for the Nets. We'll start with harsh. Tuesday's. <laughs> harsh isn't even a good description. It needs no, we need better adjectives. It was de- deplorable, demoralizing. Um, I need to get my thesaurus. Nick. Give me five I seconds. like demoralizing. demoralizing. Demoralizing fits really well. Yep. Especially, like you said, I mean, we're not a great team. We're not a super talented team. But losing to the Suns and Lakers, especially losing to the Suns Tuesday at home, 122-114, we had an eight-point lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, midway through, it looked like, and we just had that nice run in the third. I think it was like 20-something to two. So the Nets were really grooving. Things were moving well. 
Next thing you know, the Suns turned around. TJ Warren was a beast on the offensive rebounds, got a couple putbacks, really put the Nets in trouble. And next thing you know, the Suns are walking away with the W. Yeah, the Suns were the ones that had their rally and um, they timed their rally at the right time. You know, we were up by, as you mentioned, with only, I think it was over just a bit over six minutes to go. Yep. Um, and they came back from 18 points down and they went on a 24 to 6 run. Um, was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I guess that's going to happen with a young and experienced team that's still learning like the Nets. Um, I mean, I'm not advocating. I'm not saying that there's excuses for the loss. Um, it was a game we definitely should have won um, against the team at home as well. We had the lead, had the momentum. Um, we just, again, it's on the defensive end. We haven't been active enough. We haven't been engaged enough on that end because our offense has been fine. We're scoring like there's no tomorrow, but... Um, we're giving up like 120 points. I think um, from memory, we've given up 120, 120 points in seven of the last nine games. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, our defensive rating is deplorable. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Coach Kenny mentioned after the Lakers game um, that the fact that we've got a few days off and we talked about this in, in our last pod about the fact that we need to get some practice in. He said that he's looking forward to, to getting the guys ready for a few practices and going through some film and going through them in the gym and sort of, you know, working on those defensive mechanisms. And I think that should help. Um, we thought it would have helped going into the Lakers game, but unfortunately not. Yeah, that definitely the defense, like you said, has been bad on multiple levels, especially the pick and roll defense, but also the rebounding. You know, the Nets yes. have been getting killed on the boards. I think they were out-rebounded that game 66-44. to 44, So that's just yep. not, not acceptable. And obviously, they have to play small because they don't have a lot of front court talent. So it's important for the guards to really help. But it just hasn't, you know, it's just been lack of focus on defense and rebounding-wise. It just, it's tough to lose a game like that at home when you have that nice run. The momentum was going with you, and then you just kind of blow it to a young team. Hats off to the Suns, though. They've been playing a lot better since the changes have come there. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you mentioned the rebounding. We're, as a team, we're 25th in rebound percentage in the NBA. Um, and a lot of that is our front court. In fact, it would be 90% our front court because guys like Rondé are having the energy. Damari Carroll is doing well. But you have a guy like Mozgov, Tyler Zeller. Um, out the injuries to Booker, Allen, and AC the past few games have been um, significant and have really sort of hurt us, uh, especially on the defensive and the rebounding. But you know, when you are other guys that you're expected to step up, you're NBA-level players, you're paid to rebound as a big man. Like, literally, Mozgov has no other really discernible skills other than rebounding, and apparently he can shoot a three or two. But I would rather him get 10 rebounds a night and shoot no threes than shoot two threes. Like, to me, it doesn't make sense. Um, it makes sense in our motion offense system, but he's an okay rebounder, but he's just not rebounding. Yeah, I mean, if he's out there, he should be dominating the boards. That's his main goal. But uh, we'll talk about the defense and Moskov a little bit later. You know, another – and it wasn't a great shooting night from three-point range, under 30%. But let's talk yeah. about Friday's loss, last night's loss to the Lakers, D'Angelo's homecoming to L.A., you know, a lot of talk in this game. Brooke Lopez's first game against the Nets. Kyle Kuzma, I know people are kind of making a reference to that. But, I mean, there's not really much on that because the Nets could have taken him if they still wanted to. Yep. But D'Angelo Brooke – Brooke killed them. The Lakers come away with the W. What are your thoughts on last night? Deplorable from three again, Nick. Like, even worse, 23.7%. And I think what's lost in it is what we concede from both ends. 
So against the Lakers, we conceded nearly 43% and over 51% from the field in general. Um, Dinwiddie getting into foul trouble um, really didn't help us and forced D'Angelo to play a lot of minutes. And you know, D'Angelo's defense leaves a lot to be desired. I think the injuries, again, we really lack the bodies. Um, but I'm going to give a hot take about the whole Russell-Lonzo debate. D'Angelo Russell is going to have a better career than Lonzo Ball. I hope, I, in fact, I hope Lakers fans are listening to this Nets podcast because, and for Nets fans, D'Angelo, he will get it all together. He's 22 years old. Like, he's only 20 months older than Lonzo. And Lonzo can't make a bucket to save his life. If you've got the, the offensive end, defensive end takes mindset and takes energy and takes engagement. And that will come for D'Angelo. Uh, I'm, I'm confident of that. Whereas Lonzo, um, he can pass a ball. Um, other than that, I don't know what else he can really do. He's one of the more hyped picks, overrated picks for me this year. If it was to be redrafted, I'd say he'd barely crack the top five with guys like Donovan Mitchell playing. Um, but, you know, I, I'm... I'm a Lonzo hater, but I'm a D'Angelo lover. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a real possibility for that to happen. We don't know. Like you said, both these guys are super young. A lot can change, but I'm happy with D'Angelo. I knew, like, last night he was either going to press, you know, press and really yeah. have a good game or a bad game. It looked like at first he was going to have a good game. He took a little bit too many threes. I think he only hit one of them, too. You know, he needs to get to the rim a little bit more. And there was a few times where he tried to do it all on his own. But he also had a couple of plays where they were just disgusting. You know, the handles, the layups, and the passes. He had a re- He's such a good bounce passer. That's one thing that sticks out about him. But enough positives about that game. You mentioned the three-point shooting for the Lakers, and a lot of that was due to our guy, Brooke Lopez. You know, he's on the Lakers. We still love him, though. But he killed us. You know, he killed us he outside. Did. He killed us inside. He killed us everywhere. Six three-pointers from Brolo. Um, we saw it all last year. Um, and it was like everyone was expecting the D'Angelo revenge game, but it was... It was the Brook revenge game, but Brook's not that kind of guy. He's just, uh, I said going, I've written an article for um, uh, another outlet saying that Brook Lopez is the best player on this Lakers team. And I think people need to realize that and get off of the Lonzo Kyle Kuzma hype train. He's a proven performer. We've seen it for 10 years, 10, 12 years in Brooklyn, how good he is. Um, He's going to have those nights for the Lakers. And against a guy like Mozgov, it was almost inevitable. Um, He was toying with him. You know, Mozgov's perimeter, getting out to the perimeter, it, he's so immobile that it was all, it was going to happen. He was toying with him. Um, he was bullying guys like Rondé down low and, and Karis Levert at times as well. Um, it was almost like it was meant to be. Um, it was almost fate. Um, but I'm glad he at least helped you in the fan door, Nick. Yeah, at least he helped me win some money. But like you said, <laughs> he just abused the Nets. He abused Mozgov like... Like, we know Brooke's not fast, so Moskov had a chance against anybody being slow-footed. It'd be Brooke, and he just got d- demolished by him. You know, they put Rondé on him, and, like, no offense to Kenny, like, it would probably work for a little bit, but at points in that game, they just need to throw double teams at Brooke. He's, yeah. not, he's not an amazing passer out of the double team. We've watched right. that for a long time. Like, he's good at throwing that bounce pass to a cutter on back door, but other than that, you know, his passing is to be de- not be desired. He's made some really bad passes in the past, so at least try to force the issue especially with guys on the floor that aren't necessarily great shooters. That's one thing I think the Nets need to work on is their help defense. You know, at times there's guys on the floor that aren't great shooters and they're sticking to them on the perimeter. Like you need to help your team, especially when you're getting killed in the pick and roll. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, Like you mentioned, we didn't shoot well again. They're rebounding again, 57 to 43. 
we just got owned inside again. So, like, if you're going to lose the rebounding battle by double digits every night, you're not really going to have a good shot at winning the game. No. And, and if you're going to shoot under 30% from three, especially in this offense. And, we, and I mean, Crab, um, we mentioned we weren't going to speak on the positives, but I like the fact, um, <laughs> I, I was encouraged by the fact that Crab came back because his game against the Suns was, was pretty, um, to put it bluntly, piss weak. Um, it, it was poor. Um, but yeah. the fact that he at least he could have a good night, so there was some minor positives to take from it. But it's the same problems. So, I mean, if it's the same thing happening, surely it's going to have to turn around. The only way is up. But unfortunately, the only way it was down for us after the Suns game. Um, you'd expect, you know, to shoot better from three, especially with a good night from Alan Crabb. Um, but you mentioned D'Angelo. He was, he was you know, chucking um, rather than, you know, actually playing in the motion, playing in the rhythm of the of the offense. That would seem to be the key word coming out of um, a lot of the Nets guys and the Nets coaches, rhythm, rhythm, rhythm. Um, the rhythm hasn't been there the past two games, and hopefully um, we can get it back uh, in the coming days. Hey, you mentioned Crab. One thing I really like from Crab in that game is something I've been hoping that he would do a little bit more is guys have been overplaying him at the three-point line a lot especially on pick and roll. There's been time where he's had an open shot at the rim and he's pulled yes. up from three. Last night he was attacking more at the rim, especially in that fourth quarter. The Nets had a couple more and ones. And I think that's something the Nets just need to do more. They need to yep. attack the rim. They don't have a ton of great finishers, but they at least need to you know, force the refs to make a call. You have a better chance of making a layup than a contested three. So I think that's something where the Nets need to kind of attack a little bit more. But um, just just a rough loss. I, let's I, talk I, about – oh, go ahead, Jack. I was just going to really echo your sentiments there, Nick, because Alan Crabb mentioned after the game um, the confidence that it gave him just to see the ball go in the bucket. Um, when you get to the free throw, the free throw line, the, the charity stripe, you see the ball go in, it just automatically gives you that positive reinforcement. Basketball's a mental game in so many ways. Um, guys like Rondé and Karras especially, I mean, Rondé's been quite good. He's been quite solid. But a guy like Karras Levert, if he can just force his um, way, he's got the handles, you've mentioned it, and we love his handles. Um, if he can get into the paint and get into the rim and put up a shot, you know, there's not many guys that can stop him. He's quite quick. He's quite crafty. And then from there, um, you know, I'm not 100% sure in his free throw numbers, but, you know, he's not going to be uh, Dwight Howard by by any stretch. So, And you're going to see the ball go in, and that automatically gives you that positive reinforcement. Even D'Angelo. D'Angelo, he forces it too much – like, he needs to sort of play more in rhythm. And I'm, I'm, I'm echoing the sentiments of Kenny. Um, get to the line, get some calls, and, like, slow the game down a little bit because it seems like our pace is number one in the NBA with 109 possessions um, per 100 minutes. Uh, 100, 109, which is ridiculous. It is, it is like, out of this world. It's, we were, like, one of the top teams last year. I think, in a way, we almost need to slow the game down a little bit calm it down and you know get the tempo going in our own way rather than forcing the issue like you've mentioned there yeah definitely i think sometimes especially we saw in the fast break yesterday there is a sequence in that game it was either early fourth or late third where the nets pulled up on three like three straight trips yeah and they weren't even nice nice open looks you know they were fading away going to the side trying to draw contact just, you know, not good stuff. You want to get some easy baskets. Like you said, you know, seeing the ball through the, through the rim just really helps in basketball. It's a mental game. You mentioned Rondé. They said that he saw a sports sports psychologist this summer, yes. and that really helped his game. 
yep. you know, able to forget about the last play. And I think it's really made a big difference for him. He's been obviously a bright spot. Can't complain about him. He plays, he busts his ass on the floor. You know, he, he works, he works every night. And I have, you know, even for his shortcomings, the mistakes that he do, does make, you really can't get mad about it because he hustles so hard all the time. And that's what you want. Um, you want it on both ends of the floor. Like if he's going to put up a shot, he misses it. Yeah, sure. That's the, the, the mental capacity um, that he's, he's got now. He's matured. Um, he's got confidence. He's got comfort. He's been our most consistent performer with Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie last night was a bit, um, struggled a little bit just because of that foul trouble. But for me, Rondé has been our, our glue guy, um, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. And I, I like the, the partnership. I, th- I like the influence that I think he can have on D'Angelo. I like this young core. I'm hoping he can have an influence on Karras as well, sort of slow him down a little bit, use his NBA now as an experience. And the fact that the guys can look to him, guys like Karras Lombard can look to him and go, well, look, if Rondé can turn it around, then so can I. Um, and it can happen mid-season. It doesn't have to be a whole season and, and an off-season for it to happen. Um, it could happen, happen next mid-season. week. It could happen next week. It, it's a, bas- there's a, a week is a long time in basketball. Um, you know, look what's going on with the Cavs. After that 57-point performance by LeBron James, everyone's hailing them as uh, Eastern Conference finalists yet again. So it, it, a lot of things can happen in, in a couple of weeks in the NBA. And hopefully, um, for us Nets fans, that means a few wins. Yeah, before we move on to the front court. You mentioned Rondé's relationship with uh, Karis and D'Angelo and D'Angelo's relationship with them. You see D'Angelo and Rondé talking a lot on the court, you know, whispering things to each other. They have done some good work in the pick and roll. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. It also looks, we've mentioned this before, D'Angelo and uh, Lavert have a relationship before this, you know, being on the same team together on the Nets. So you can see that. You can see the confidence that D'Angelo has in Lavert. So I think, you know, moving forward, like you said, there can be more of a groove Lavert, he just needs to see the ball go through the rim. His jump shot is a little bit messed up right now. It's not it the same on every release. His mid-range jumper looks a lot different from his three-point shot. Obviously, for some guys, that's the case. But, you know, sometimes the the follow-through on the three-point shot doesn't look there. It almost looks like he's shooting a knuckleball sometimes from three-point. It's just no rotation. And it's just like he's launching it. Yeah, and I, and I think that um, a, a few days off and, and a word to a few of the assistant coaches will certainly help Karras in that respect. Um, I think he needs to use, needs to get to the line a lot more because his jump shot isn't his weapon um, by any stretch. Yes, Coach Kenny preaches, you know, shooting from the perimeter by any means. Um, but we mentioned it and it, it's going to be a theme. Don't force it. If it's not, the shot isn't there, don't take it, you know. Make the extra pass. Um, and if it's a turnover, so be it. Um, because, you know, it's gonna. It's a learning process for guys like Karis Levert and, and D'Angelo Russell. Um, but yeah, I really like the chemistry that those guys have. You can see it off the court. You can see it on the court. Um, the Brooklyn swagger is certainly very much in them. Yeah, and like you mentioned, we've had some uh, front court injuries. You know, in the Suns game, Jared Allen and Quincy Ac were both out. Lakers game, Trevor Booker, Quincy Ac, and Jared Allen were all out. So we got to see a lot of Moskov and Zeller, and it was not fun to watch. You know, both these guys really struggled. Zeller did a few things all right, but both of them can't really catch the ball in the paint. There was a few times where they got, you know, they weren't easy passes, but they're passes that you kind of expect your center to at least grab. Maybe they don't finish the layup and they have to pass it out, but at least get the ball. And defensively, they got abused in the pick and roll. A lot of fouls. They just for this type of NBA. And they lost focus a few times with help defense. So what are your thoughts on Mozgov and Zeller right now? 
Look, Nick, I was reading a, a nice article on um, the fan side of website for the Brooklyn Nets, nothing but Nets. They posted the uh, posted the idea of dropping Mozgov to the bench um, a, a few days ago. Um, obviously, that's impossible when you have so many guys out, Alan, Booker, and AC. If, if and when those guys come back, do you think it's the right move for Coach Atkinson to send Mozgov to the bench and change his role? I mean, I would not mind it. I, I wouldn't start Zeller. Maybe Jared Allen is healthy. It's really tough. The Allen situation is weird because he's a rookie. He's also not a very big rookie. You know, he doesn't have the weight that's going to be able to hold up for all season long, I don't think. I don't think you could really pay, play him, expect him to play 25-plus minutes a game for the rest of the season, being yeah. that small and being a rookie and not having a lot of other big bodies on the team. With that said, though, I think he could still start. And then you have, you know, Booker as your backup center in the bench like they kind of been doing. And then maybe bring Moskov in for some minutes. Like, I think Moskov could be better in a smaller role and against backups. But against starters, just in the pick and roll, there was a play in the Suns game. Tyler Eulis got a pick sent. I think it was either Alex Lund or Tyson Chandler. The point guard's, you know, pretty tight on them. They're going over the top, you know, and they have Moskov stepping back. Moskov is literally almost in front of the rim. The guard isn't even to the elbow yet with the ball. So it's just like he's in a terrible position all the time, and he's just not fast enough to defend. I don't know if it's the pick-and-roll defense, the scheme they're trying to run. He's not comfortable, but whatever he's doing, it's not working. And not only are teams scoring on you know instantly on the pick-and-roll possession, they're also getting mismatches if the Nets are able to recover some way, and then that ends up in a bucket. So it's just like a lot of problems with Moskov on the, on the court. And offensively and rebounding-wise, he hasn't done anything. You know, he hasn't dominated the boards. He's shot a couple threes. He's only hit, like, one or two. He's missed a ton of layups. So it's just like, what is he really doing for the team when he's on the floor? No, he's not doing anything really, Nick. Um, and you mentioned that pick-and-roll defense. Um, the pick-and-roll defense should be his bread and butter. And, I mean, D'Angelo is a culprit there as well. But it, it forces guys like um, our, our wings to sort of help and – take them away and leave open shots where we've been um, quite vulnerable from the perimeter. Why teams are shooting over 40% against us, uh, 42%, I think it was almost 50% um, the Phoenix Suns were. So it, it, it really affects not only his um, game, but it, it reflects, it affects the team as a whole. Um, I would like to see um, some preseason sort of lineups that we saw. Um, Booker and AC out there for starts. Um, Ronde at the five, playing super small lineups, doing some, um, you know, some Golden State Warriors light lineups, whether it's starting or whether it's playing them for longer stretches. We're not going to win 40 games this season. We're not a playoff-bound season, a playoff-bound team. Let's experiment. Let's see what we've got out of these guys. Let's see what we can do with this small ball. I think the small ball works better with our offense and then in turn, because those guys are so much more mobile, they can get back in transition D. And that will help both ends of the floor. Whereas Mozgov in transition is like watching a turtle in <laughs> transition. Um, it, it's like I could not... The first animal that came to my head was a turtle. There's probably an even slower, less agile animal. Turtles are snail. cool. Um, I don't think... Maybe a snail, yeah. I think a snail's probably even worse. So he's... um. He's a turtle, he's a snail, he's, he's bloody slow. Um, and whereas you've got a guy like Ronde, um, Booker and AC, these guys give you energy. Um, and, and that's what we we lack when we have Mosgo out there slowing us down, um, giving up rebounds, 
giving up um, you know six three pointers to to a guy like Brook Lopez. Now he wasn't on him for the entire game, but it, he was getting wide open ones. I remember there was a play where he was just hanging around, probably about ten feet, and Brook Brook makes them. He's not you know Hassan Whiteside. You can't give him five ten feet of open space. You need to guard him. Um, and he just left him open, and it was just like, are you switched on right now? He's. It seems like his IQ has dropped, um, if anything, um, since his Cleveland days, since his Denver days. Maybe it's it's this offense that and, and Coach Kenny's system that just doesn't suit him, but he needs to figure it out, like because he's he's with us whether he wants to be or not. Yeah, ever since his knee injury with Cleveland, he's never been the same player. He just doesn't have that same pop. So he's just at this point, I like you said, maybe they'll bench him. Maybe go with Allen at the starting lineup. And Zeller, you know, Zeller has done a few good things, but you can't really play him either. There was times where he had the ball right in front of the rim, and the Lakers were able to have a guard come up and snatch it from his hands. So it's just, it's really tough when you're not getting any production out of your center position at all. And it's kind of ironic if you yeah. think about it, because for what the last probably last four or five seasons, you know, the center position maybe has been one of the Nets' best positions, having Brooke Lopez, and now he's yeah. gone, and now it's by far their worst position, and it's not even really close. Now, Nick, I, I saw your Twitter earlier today, your personal Twitter. Um, you posted uh, a cryptic tweet, so to speak. <laughs> um, uh, how much do um, do the, do the Sixers want for Okafor, asking for a friend? Um I think that it is imperative that Sean Marcus gets on the phone to Brian Colangelo and asks, what do they want? Now, for some reason, they think that they can get an asset for him, despite the fact that his value has dropped exponentially. And that is only, they have only themselves to blame. But there's been talk of um, Boston, where I, I really don't see the fit, to be honest. Whereas with the Nets, I, I see a legitimate fit. Yes, he's, um, his defense um, is, is lackluster. Um, but, you know, so is Mozgov's and Zeller's, for that matter. At least Jalil can get you on the other side. He can get buckets. Um, even if you have him as just a bench presence, even if you just have him as a body, um, he, he gets buckets. Like, there was talk in his first few games for Philly. He was dominating on the offensive end. Um, he was posting 2010 games like there was no tomorrow. And ever since, you know, Joel Embiid and Nerland Zamel sort of um, superseded him in the rotation, um, his uh, value just dropped. Um, whereas I think it would be just a really nice fit in Brooklyn. He needs a new start. Um, I read a, an article on SB, SB Nation. He likes going to the cinema in New York as well. So, you know, it's not as far of a trek from all the way from Philly. He doesn't have to catch the train. Um, we've got some cool cinemas out in Brooklyn, out in Manhattan. So... I think, um, you know, Sean, get on the phone to him, mate. Yeah, honestly, at this point, I, I'm not a, I wasn't a big Okafor guy, you know, earlier in the season, and that's making a move. Because I don't know if he's a great um, system fit, but in terms of roster fit, they really need a center. And why not take a chance on a 21-year-old expiring contract? You don't like him. Yep. You don't have to keep him. And yep. you just see what he can do. Like you said, he's not really going to be much worse defensively than – Moskov or Zeller, and he has a possibility of getting better because he's only 21. Exactly. And at least he's somebody you can throw the ball to on a roll to the rim, and he could probably finish it. Like right now, the roller to the rim, other than Jared Allen, is really in Trevor Booker. There's not much of an impact. They haven't really been able to hit Moskov. Only only time he's really had you know good rolls to the rim has been easy dunks. 
Zeller too. Yeah. He's had a few good ones, but it's mostly been when they're wide open. So having a guy like Okafor that could actually finish a little bit, it could be a nice thing. And at this point, you know, this season, losing Jeremy Lin, that already took the possibility out of having a, a pretty competitive season. We don't talk about it enough, but this is a really young team and losing a vet like Lin has hurt a lot and it's a lingering effect. So just add a young guy, see if it can work out. Maybe you get lucky. You get two of the top five picks from the 2015 draft. You know, lottery talent that you weren't supposed to have thanks to the Celtics trade. Who knows? Maybe it works out. We don't need Okafor to be an amazing player. We mentioned on the NBA Outlet podcast, if he could just kind of find a Greg Monroe type niche where he comes yes. off the bench, plays with good energy, scores some buckets, but, you know, he doesn't have to go against starters. He doesn't have to play 30 minutes. I think that could be something that really works. Yeah, I'm and, all for it. I, I want the Nets to take a chance on him right now, I guess, because after watching Zeller and Moskov, it hurts. It does. It, it, it's painful. Um, and even a guy like Enos Cancer right now, um, he's starting for the um, for the for the New York Knicks, our, our rivals, obviously because Kristaps is a bit too. Um, I won't use Hornacek's, uh words, but he doesn't <laughs> want to, to to play down low at the five, even though he's got about three inches on everyone. Um, he could easily fit in seamlessly into an offensive, like, driven center. Monroe, Cantor, those sort of guys have value in today's NBA. Um, you know, he's not a unicorn by any stretch. He's not Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, but he's got everything to prove. And I think with Brooklyn, I think with a guy like D'Angelo as well, who also has is got that chip on his shoulder as well, um, I think that they could develop a nice chemistry as well. You mentioned that pick and roll. Um, it might ease the load for D'Angelo a little bit offensively. Um, it might m- make make it easier for him offensively. And just I just want it to happen. And if we don't have to give up anything outrageous or if we had just take him on after hopefully the Sixers buy him out, then I think we need to be the number one team to do that because I don't see a better fit for him, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the – it depends on what he's looking for. If he wants to win games, obviously he's not been happy about losing a ton in Philadelphia. That could be an issue. Maybe he wants to go to a competitive team. But if he wants to go to a team where he has the opportunity to prove himself, Brooklyn is a great choice. So we'll definitely see what happens with that. I would think a second-round pick and maybe Sean Kilpatrick should be able to get it done. Yeah, I think I think I was going to say something around that, Mark. And he mentions um, in his the comments that we've been making the rounds um, on Bleach Report and the like, that he just wants to play. That's all he wants to do. Um, so with Brooklyn, you know, I could see him getting an easy 25 minutes a night. You know, replace those Zeller minutes uh, and a few of those Mozgov minutes with Okafor minutes. And I don't think he he really, you know, obviously he hasn't been winning with the with the Sixers in the past few years. But right now, obviously, he's, they're seeing some success. But he's not a part of that. Whereas I think he could be a part of something with Brooklyn this year. You know, we're not going to win... We're not going to be anywhere near where the Sixers are, um, where their talent is. But I think, you know, he can contribute. He can give something on the floor. Um, and I think that's where Brooklyn comes in. And I think that's where the fit lies. Yeah, I mean, I, I could really hope it happens. You know, have him and Allen, some young centers. You know, one of them probably will work out. Yeah. Fairly fairly confident in Allen and what he can do defensively. And Okafor, pretty confident what he can do offensively. Obviously, the lack of jump shot in the defense is something to be worried about a little bit, but it was rumored this summer he lost 20 pounds, so he's trying to yes. get in better shape, get quicker, which can help him. And anybody with a chip on their shoulder usually plays a little bit harder. 
You mentioned uh, uh, in, it sprung to my mind, Nick, the the fact that Jared Allen has such um, good defensive capabilities, whereas Okafor's um, strength line is offense. There's a nice yin and yang effect there um, for the two, sort of like what we're seeing right now with Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell and the balance that is created between the two of them. Um, so I, I think that if you know a guy that's you know in the same draft as D'Angelo, you know we're not there's nothing to lose in this. Um, really, there is nothing to lose. Yeah, unless they really just hate his fit in the system and they don't think it could ever work out and what Kenny wants to do, and maybe yeah. they think they're better off keeping the second-round pick and getting somebody else, you know, maybe that's what they want to do. At this Possibly. point, though, I wouldn't mind seeing somebody cut on the roster or something or trying to open a roster spot in some way to maybe bring in a G League guy in a month. Well, yeah, you, know, you look at a guy like Joe Harris and how, what he's doing, um, he's cemented his spot. Whereas you look at um, Isaiah Whitehead, who's been um, since the G League um, for the next few I think weeks. he's starting the G League opener tonight. Yeah, so he's um, he's out working there. Sean Kirkpatrick hasn't really fit in well. Um, he's a, a great locker room guy and a great teammate um, and could be worth having around. But um, these are the tough moves that Sean Marks has brought in to, to make. Um, and I think you make a legitimate point about, you know, Come the trade deadline in February, I'm sure the Nets will make some sort of move, whether it's a trade for a pick, um, so we can um, get some more, get more active in this year's draft, or whether it's um, picking up some an expiring contract or taking on some salary, or hopefully picking up Jalil. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. But you know, most likely we're not going to see a move made before the next game. Do you want to see lineups and rotation changes for the next game? Depends on the health of a lot of, of our bigs, um, Nick. Um, if, Depends on that. Uh, uh, let's assume. Think, let's assume everyone is healthy. Let's just assume everyone's healthy and okay. back, except AC. Maybe. Everyone's let's... healthy. Yeah, everyone's healthy. Look, in my perfect world, I like. I, I'm all in on the pace and space, like you are, Nick. So I want to start. I mean, it 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 lessens, I guess, the strength of our bench unit. But, you know, you can start Booker for four minutes, bring him off, bring Mozgov on for, you know, seven or eight minutes, and then Booker can play with those um, those second units. I just think he, he brings uh, an energy and experience, um, some basketball IQ that Mozgov really lacks. Um, so I'd like to see us play a bit of small ball. Obviously, you know, th- that's not going to... It's not going to solve all of our problems, but... It's worth a change. If it's not working, why not make a change and see what can happen? You know, if it doesn't work and we get bullied down low, um, as we have been, then, you know, make the change. Bring in a Jared Allen, bring in Mozgov, bring in Tyler Zeller. Um, but, you know, we can't do any worse, I guess, um, where, where we're really struggling on the, on the rebounding. Yeah, and I think um, at times it definitely feels like this, that the bench is, like, substantially outplaying the starters. You know, yeah, there's times definitely. where the bench comes in and they save the game where they get the game closer, they get the lead back. Where so it's, it feels like sometimes the start of the game just starts off so slow. So I think a lineup change is necessary. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Spencer doing what he's starting. I know he's the backup point guard, but I think you could stagger their minutes where so that they're both able to be on the floor at some point. And maybe you have to run Lever as the backup point guard for a few minutes a game. Like, I think yeah. they could survive like that. And I think 
they got to start games better. They need to start more positive, get things rolling. And one thing we know about Dinwiddie, he's great at running the offense and getting things running smoothly. He can get D'Angelo some easy shots early. And like you said, at the center position, I think you have to bench Mozgov. Now, does that mean bringing Booker? I don't know. Does it mean bringing maybe Jared Allen? You know, you probably could get away. If you pair Jared Allen with a Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Damari Carroll, it's a little bit better than if you're putting him out there with an Allen Crabb and a Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You know, Carroll's got a little yeah. toughness. He rebounds a little bit. We've seen Dinwiddie and Russell rebound a little bit. I think if you put out that lineup, I don't think it'll happen, but it would be interesting to see and see what Allen could do with the starters and having, you know, the offense really easy for him and not asked to do much except rebound, easy putbacks and stuff like that. The only problem with that, and actually there wouldn't even be a problem with that because Dinwiddie's been, I think he's shooting over 50% from three this season. So it, it's you got plenty of floor spacing. He's shooting better than Levert. He's not, you know, Alan Crabb and Joe Harris moving off ball, but he's still a great spot-up shooter, and he can help space the floor for this team. And Jared Allen actually is somebody you have to respect on offense, unlike Mozgov, who just can't even make anything nowadays. So I, I would be interested in seeing a Dinwiddie, Russell, Carroll, Rondé, Allen lineup. Yeah, I think that's a really intriguing lineup, Nick. And then, and you leave Booker on the bench, and you still got you know a solid bench unit too. Yep, definitely. Um, Booker or Allen, I think, uh, are, are really key to to the lineup experimentation for for Coach Kenny because both guys provide um, something that that a lot of our other centers lack, um, which is you know energy, offense, and mobility. Um, so I, I think it'll it'll be nice to see. Hopefully. Um, a move made. I'm, I'm really hesitant to, to change Dinwiddie's role, but at the same time, I, I, I really like it in the sense because D'Angelo looks so much better out there um, in the preseason with Jeremy Lin. Like he just looks so much more comfortable, so much smoother. He doesn't have to force the effort. Like he can still run the point at times. Like it doesn't mean Spencer brings the ball up every single possession because like you mentioned, Spencer's good as a spot up shooter. Um, and even as a pull-up shooter, like that that dagger uh, at the end of the third was just ridiculous. Um, and he mentioned on his Twitter page, he's like, "Hey NBA, when are you gonna actually at me?" Um, hmm. it, it still hasn't happened for he's he. People need to put some respect on his name because I think he's only got added one time is when uh, at the Cavs game after the Cavs game they gave him some love, but there's been it's been an ongoing battle with him in social media accounts. It it needs to happen because you know he is. Um, one of the most improved players in the NBA right now. Um, his game has gone to a, a new level that we, that I certainly didn't expect. I'm sure maybe you you might have, but um, I, I really didn't see this from Spencer. And he's been a mainstay. And I, I think he, him and Rondé have been our guys this season. And if those two weren't in our, um, a, you know, contributing, then who knows where we'd be. Exactly. And his three-point shooting is another thing I'm going to talk about again, is that if you look at the starting lineup right now, you're putting out Russell, Levert, Carroll, Rondé, and Mozgov. Really, out of that starting lineup, there's only two guys who are good three-point shooters, and Russell's, you know, hot and cold type. So in a motion offense, you have no spacing. So hypothetically, you know, Kenny doesn't want to take Spencer off the bench roll, but he does find ways to get D'Lo and Spencer on the court more. That's fine. I think you have to maybe go back to the Allen Crabb in the starting lineup idea. They need more spacing for this offense to be efficient. And you have a Joe Harris on the bench. So you have the luxury of having two really good three-point shooters that move well off ball. So I think that could be another possibility too. I think there has to be some type of change because right now it's not working. And obviously it's early in the season, but I think we've seen enough against teams that aren't super talented and experienced to just abuse the starting lineup. 
Yeah, and the crab one is is a good point, Nick, because he now has some momentum after that Lakers game. Um, I, I would have been skeptical yeah. to to start him against Los Angeles, but now he he has some confidence. He has some comfort. Um, you know, it's a couple of games into the season now. I think we'll be hesitant to do it. I think it's more likely that Dinwiddie will come in just because he has he's had that experience. He's got that base under him. Where I think. Alan Crabb is still building a base somewhat, um, like a lot of guys in the NBA are who haven't had like extended preseasons. Um, but I think at some stage this season, whether it's game 10, 20, 30, or 40, uh, Crabb will surely be in our starting lineup. And that is really going to, I'm sure that'll help us um, increase our percentages from three because we've been um, pitiful from there in our past two games. And one thing, like you said, having a big game coming off the Lakers game, if they were to start him after that game, it would be like another boost of confidence. Like, oh, I played really well. They liked what they saw from me. I attacked the rim more. I'm going to yeah. do that again and kind of keep building off it. And for Levert's angle, it's tough because he's a young guy and you don't necessarily want to bench him. But the fit's not there. I think it'd be a little bit easier, though, in terms of like mental you know, confidence to bench Levert for Dinwiddie and be like, you know, we want to put uh, Dinwiddie in the starting lineup. We need more of a point guard. And then we're going to give you a bigger role off the bench where you're kind of leading our second unit and having a better opportunity. I was actually really excited going into the season because I didn't think Levert would start. Obviously, Jeremy yeah. Lin went down and that changed things. And I was happy to see Levert in a bench role where he was kind of doing his thing against bench players. Because obviously, Levert's not at a point where he's going to be able to win a matchup consistently with a good defender like a KCP. You know, she's just not there yet. He needs more development. He needs to get a little bit more confident, maybe by the end of the season. But I think I would have liked to see him more in a developmental role this year. But now they're having to count on him even more because of the injuries to Jeremy Lin. Yeah, and I, I like that. I think Karras coming off the bench last year is where he showed a lot of his promise. Um, you know, the the burden on him isn't as much when you're starting. You're expected to be on from, from tip-off. Um, whereas coming off the bench... He can see how the game's going. He can see where the pace is. He can sort of work his way into it a little bit better. He can read the play a little bit better. Um, I think that's one thing Karras can sort of struggle with a little bit. Um, sort of being like eyes wide open, sort of going, okay, there's so much happening, blah, blah, blah. And, and I mean, that's our motion offense in a sense. But, you know, if he starts off the bench, I, I don't think it's it's a demotion by any sense. I think it... Like, there's, apart from probably D'Angelo and Rondé and Tamari when he's healthy, those three are, are our mainstays in the starting lineup. Um, the other two, the other guard, um, forward, guard wing, and um, front court spot are certainly interchangeable. And I, and I hope that um, they are throughout the season based off of form and based off of chemistry. Yeah, and I mean, we could even see something where you mentioned Karras. And one thing I think you have to remember about Karras too is that he had so many injuries in college he hasn't got a chance to play a lot of high-level basketball. So this is, you know, he didn't even get a full rookie season. So I think this is almost like you have to kind of look at it as almost a rookie year type of thing because of yeah. the lack of games he's got in college, a lot of new teammates, not having guys in the court like a Jeremy Lin or a Brooke Lopez that you can kind of count on. So I think it's a, a lot of growing, and I'm not really that nervous about Karras because I think his shooting stroke will come back at some point, but we got to see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if – if Kenny wanted to like really get things interesting and he he like fully committed to small ball and he wanted to have Damari play four off the bench and have yeah. Rondé in the four in the starting lineup and then maybe going Dinwiddie, Russell, Crab, Rondé, Booker, and then or Moskov or Allen, whoever you want to start at the center, 
and then having tomorrow Damari play four off the bench and still playing, you know, close to 25, 30 minutes, but just not in the starting role. It's something to consider. I think, like you said, at this point, things aren't looking good. It's time to just start experimenting with different lineups. Yeah, and I think the one thing is last year, this is one thing we couldn't do. We didn't have the talent. We didn't have the depth to to experiment. Whereas now there is that luxury where when guys are healthy, um, unfortunately that hasn't been the case the past game or two, when guys are healthy, we can experiment. We can play different lineups. And, you know, if, if a guy is cold, you know, you can bring in, in a guy off the bench who is an NBA-ready player. Um, you know, I would say the, our only non-NBA-ready player off the bench would probably be someone like a Kilpatrick and a Zella. Everyone else has the talent, has the nous to come in and contribute. Um, yes, we've shit on Mosgov like there's no tomorrow, but he's a vet. He's been in the league for long enough. He knows what's going on. Um, so I, I like the flexibility we have now. That was one thing we mentioned in our earlier podcasts that we we're really excited about, the, the flexibility we have now in our roster. And we'd be remiss not to make use of that. Yeah, and one thing else we mentioned was the front court being a problem, and that has been a real case. But that yep. wraps it up for today. Hopefully next time we speak to you guys, it's after a Nets win. We don't want to be talking about losses. What are we at? Like, what, four straight right now? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a poor run. But I Especially, have faith in Coach. Yeah, I have faith in Coach Kenny. Yeah. And like you said, we got pieces on this roster. You know, it sucks because the Nets had an easy part of the schedule to start the year. And there, I had a feeling that things weren't going to groove that smoothly. I didn't think Jeremy Lin would go down. Obviously, that had a big impact. But they still have plenty of time to kind of – steady it up and just play better basketball because one thing we can say they've been in both you know a lot of these games they've just lost but they have not played anywhere close to their fullest capability no and you know it's it's a process it's a everyone the, trust the process the saying is the trust the trust the process um trust the process i, I mean I'm, I'm i'm stealing that i'm, I'm sure joel and will probably at me on twitter if i if he hears this <laughs> um but it, it's a marathon the nba season and you know nine ten games in you know we're we're hesitant but at the same time there's there's light over there's light on the horizon because it's not all doom and gloom um when there's at least a, a semblance of of a nucleus there there's a semblance of where this team wants to go we know um, where we where we struggle, where we lack, and throughout the season, um, the only way is up for a young team. Um, you know exactly. And look, look at I think the Phoenix Suns uh, are a perfect example. Look what's happened with them. Eric Bledsoe's out of the lineup. They they changed their coach and they've been reinvigorated. There's all it takes is a game or two, uh, a lineup change or two, um, you know, a, a, a win or two, like just a, a short winning streak. Um, you know, this road trip is important for team chemistry and also for getting a few wins on the board. And hopefully it can set up our season nicely, not necessarily to, to make a playoff push, um, but just to, to gel our guys and to get to know our system and to get more confident um, with what Coach Kenny wants. Yeah, I think having a competitive season, like you said, not making the playoffs, but being not terrible you know being in a lot of games getting around that 30 win mark i think isn't still important because you want to see the improvements and you want to see like you said that's a positive about having a young team yeah they're playing rough now you'd rather see them play rough in the beginning of the season so they can play better as it progresses yep yep but and that I wraps that, it up oh, go ahead jack last point there i think by the end of the season um when a lot of teams are sort of 
pulling up ship and it's like April, um, a, a lot of teams are starting to rest their players. That's when the Nets can get some easy wins. Um, I know we sort of, with Brooke Lopez, we, we rested a few of our guys and you know created a whole funeral with the Miami Heat and such and the Bulls. But I think, you know, we're going to get better. Uh, and for Nets fans listening, as much as we've um, harped on some negatives, um, we're doing it in a sense that there is optimism there and there is a lot on the horizon and there are solutions to the problems that we've talked about. Yeah, the Nets can play better and these guys can get better. And we've seen plenty of great flashes from guys, Dinwiddie, Russell, Rondé, even Levert's had some nice drives, you know, Allen, plenty of bright spots to watch up. It's still early. It's still really early in the season, but that wraps it up for today. As always, you can listen to us on iTunes, blog talk, OTG basketball and Jack, thank you for hopping on. And as always, thank everybody for listening. And also, happy birthday, Jack. Thank you, guys. Okay, let's say you're on vacation or out running errands and you want to see what's going on at home. Or you're at home and you want to see what your dog's getting up to downstairs. With self-protection from Xfinity, you can keep an eye on things no matter where you are with live and recorded video, all on your terms. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash self-protection. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires Xfinity Internet and compatible XFi gateway. Professional monitoring not included. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.